This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. I am your co-host, Roman. And I am your other co-host, Brian Amaro. And we are back to together again in the studio we have another special episode today brian why don't you break it down tell, tell them what we have going on well we're in beautiful southern california we're in san diego and we have co-authors Ooh. of a really beautiful book i'm looking right at it it's called the gift of recovery huh. we have rebecca williams phd julie craft M A L M F T ready to share with us their oh. experience, the inspiration, the vision, the motivation, okay. passion, okay. <laughs> and the journey of that is the gift of recovery. Wow. Hi, ladies. Welcome, welcome. to the show. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to have you guys in. Um, and, you know, we're going to get to know you a bit today. Yeah. And we're excited about that. You know, one, one thing that we do when we start the show is we have a little thing that we do. We ask three, three questions. And um, we'll just kick it off with question number one. What is your vision? Want me to take that? Yeah, yeah please do. Yeah. Hey, my vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would like to see a world where people get along with each other a little better. That's mm. my vision. Yeah. Um, wow. Just often feeling like there's a lot of conflict where it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's kind of about bridging the gap between differences and seeing where our common humanity really lies mm-hmm. and, um, you know, trying to help clients in my practice um, feel less alone, a little more connected. Yeah. yeah. Connected. Yeah. So, so argument important. is not always communication. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Depends on how you're doing it. I'm not against argument. I love a healthy debate, but it's got to, you know, resolve itself with a little bit of understanding. Mm. Yeah. Getting okay. along. Wow. That, that is a, that's a, that's a good vision. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my vision is self-compassion. It's connected to getting along, but it's this per- personal sense of a compassion for yourself, compassion for your journey, compassion for any struggles, yes. and being kind to yourself. Um, As a psychologist for 20 years, I, I see people really kind of beat themselves up a lot. Right. And I think my journey going forward is to really bring in that self-compassion piece. Rebecca, with wow. the heart here. The heart. Yeah. All about the heart. I, I mean, I it. could see how you guys have come together to co-author this book. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys are in sync, in tune, similar visions, mm-hmm. but different, mm-hmm. right? And they both kind of work with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Why don't we get into question number two? Yeah, break it up, Brian. Question number two, what do you love? What, what do, you, do love? you love? I love a lot of things. Um, Let's hear it. Yeah. Well, what comes to mind for me is uh, is watching people change mm. uh, in a positive direction, obviously. Um, mm. So being a therapist, I think of myself more as a, a witness a yeah. lot of times, just kind of um, being able to bear witness to people's change. Uh, and that is such an incredible thing. And I just, I love watching people get sober. I love watching mm. uh, couples and couples therapy find each other again. Um, oh, that must yeah. be oh, it's, incredible. That's, that's maybe my favorite thing is that moment where they, they look at each other in a different way. Very, very powerful. So wow. that's cool. something I love. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Rebecca? Yeah. Longevity. That's my... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm in it now. You know, as there I said, yeah, I've, I've been here in San Diego for 23 years and working the whole time. And I realized that the next thing, the next big thing is staying power, staying in it, staying mm-hmm. strong, 
yoga, uh, just that sense of uh, personal longevity and longevity in relationships and longevity in career and longevity in sobriety. You know, it's it's time to kind of reflect on personal longevity. So that's my thing right now. Okay, (laughs) cool. I dig it. Again, very complimentary to each other. Wow. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you how weird it is? I'm not kidding. I have a book in my purse right now called The Longevity Diet. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I brought for Rebecca. No, I did not. Uh, I, I swear. Wow. I swear. Yeah, Victor Longo just wrote a, a study on why people live to like 100 and over. And oh, it made me it. think of her. Like, yeah, you too. I, yeah, I'm going to write into it. Let's write another book in 50 years. Oh. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's write one now, huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. And question number three. <clears throat> Speaking of books. What is one book that has greatly impacted or influenced your life? Okay. Yeah, this is usually the tough one for yeah, people. Yeah, there's so many books. Yeah. Um, yeah, one that jumps out for me is um, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Oh, never. Oh, Break I, it down. I really recommend it. Um, it's basically personality typing. There's like nine types. Okay. Um, but they kind of uh, tie together and connect um, spirituality with psychology, which is just a great, nice. great fit for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and what they do with these personality types is they don't just say like, you know, this is you. They actually, in this book, map out the levels of when you're functioning in a healthy way and okay. when you're not functioning in a healthy way, kind of what your personality can look yeah. like. And it can go to extremes. So um, for me, I'm a type two, which is the helper. Like a lot of people in helping professions okay. are nurses yeah. and yeah, psychologists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the helper. And so at my very best, I'm like Mother Teresa. Yeah. So that gives me something to mm-hmm. aspire to. Um and for some reason, I guess it's maybe codependency, but at the very bottom layer, I'm like the most likely to stalk and kill my boyfriend. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah. So it gives yeah. you a whole a range contrast. of, yeah, just a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Um, and of course, there's a million things in between, but it was really helpful for me to kind of look at myself through a lens of like, how am that I sounds, taking care of myself right now? How am I doing? sounds like a really interesting book. Yeah. yeah I, 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 def- I think I'm going to check that I out. That sounds like something I would like to read. Yeah. Cool. Rebecca? Okay. Yeah, one book you guys should check out uh, if you like to write is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Big Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which I think a lot of your right. listeners probably already know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her other new book is called Big Magic. It's about the idea and the process of writing. And okay. so as we were writing this book, I was also reading Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. And it really kind of breaks down the fear of writing and the procrastination right. And, right. and the other head trips that you get going on when you start even writing a blog or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she breaks it down um, just to decrease your fear, increase your creativity, take breaks you know go out there get your ideas out mm-hmm, and yeah. it was really i gave it i give it to a lot of people i gave it to julie to read right. and I, I have given it to a bunch of different people so that's my favorite book right now uh, that another book that sounds great bro mm-hmm. we get to live it right now yeah. it's some big magic yeah, so, <laughs> so thank, we, thank you guys yeah and we have two powerhouses here uh-huh. rebecca and julie educated have been in the profession for years and really have a message to deliver and we mm-hmm. want to we want to offer you that platform and that opportunity to talk about the gift of recovery, fifty two mindful ways to live joyfully beyond addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going through it a little bit, and, and there's some there's some chapters on mindfulness. We've got emotion, strong emotion, mm-hmm. uh, thoughts versus emotions. There's some stuff about values. I mean, what was the inspiration, the vision, and then let's talk a little bit about the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, I think the vision originated actually um, with our first book, which is the Mindfulness Workbook for Addiction. Okay. Um, and that's when we first collaborated, which that one came out in 2012. Um, so this book is kind of the next step from there for yeah. us. Um, so the first one being a workbook, it's full of activities, worksheets, um, you know, a lot for clients to process on their own or with a therapist. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we really wanted to go kind of a step further with this one. Um, a lot of mindfulness meditations in this book, um, just a lot of practices, a lot of um, experiential exercises that people can do to really further their recovery. Because I, mm-hmm. I think for both of us, um, we really agree that it's more than just getting sober or mm-hmm. being clean. It mm-hmm. has to be about developing a life that's really fulfilling and Being really beautiful. stoked on life. Yes. yes. Yeah. Stoked on life. Absolutely. Cause everybody yes. deserves that, you know, yeah. and it's, it's not enough to um, be dry as, as they say or, in 12 like, step. Right? Just get sober and get yeah. a job yeah. and go to like, yeah, just do life. Now it's you know, now just go do life and yeah. you know, trudge along. Like that's yeah. not appealing. Go and, live. Yeah. Live. Yeah. 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 And let's, let's live joyfully, you know, <laughs> let's live joyfully. So that's, um, that's kind rad. of a vision for, for this yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. The inspiration is, I really enjoy working with Julie, so <laughs> I'll do that anytime. Um, but yeah, we worked together on the first book. It was such a wonderful experience, um, and there aren't that many cool writing experiences. I mean, you get so in your head when you write that right. you forget that there's a world out there, so it was so nice to bounce ideas off of Julie mm-hmm. in the first book, and, and when the publishers came back and said, can you do a companion book or a pocket guide, we were like, you know, are we ready? Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of work. Uh, <laughs> but just to be able to write with her again. Was it an easy decision? Uh you know, the urge was there. The we urge both was had there. to look at our lives, honestly, and go, can right. we really commit? Because yeah. it, it is something that you have to commit to, like, whole heart, lots of time. Um, so we took pause and we're honest with ourselves about that, and then we jumped in. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it takes 18 months to two years to get this wow. little baby out. and yeah. uh, <laughs> Lots of iterations and iterations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Dedication. Uh, you know, and I want to jump into it, like, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's almost, I mean, it's a term that gets thrown out. How do you define it? How does it apply? What does it look like? How do I know I'm being mindful? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of questions. So I'm yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> so I'll start with de- defining it, if that's okay. Um, so essentially, mindfulness is awareness of the present moment without judgment. And a lot of people forget that third part, which is without why I always judgment. like to hit that. Without judgment. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I had a guy in, in my IOP sitting in group. Uh, coming to me and, and telling me that he couldn't handle group because he was sitting there and he was trying to be mindful, but all these people were this and all these people were that. <laughs> That's the judgment piece. Like, yeah. we're not in the moment. If right. we're in judgment, we're not so much uh, in that mindful state. So I always like to throw that in. Um, but essentially, when we think of mindfulness, it's, it's really bringing our full attention to whatever's happening here and right. now, right? Mm. In the here and now. And so much of the time, I'll speak for myself here, I'm thinking about the past, I'm worrying about the future, I'm just, I'm not here yeah. right and present um so really mindfulness is the practice of being present is well that's that's that. hard to do oh yeah isn't it yeah that's you why know, they call it a practice right, right. if it was yeah. easy we would all be doing it that's right yeah. all the time because yeah. it feels good when we can do it um, but it does take practice it really takes practice yeah and and uh reminders and i think that's why we did 52 because mm-hmm. it's once a week if you want to do it that way where you kind of remind yourself every week ah. and we also have daily affirmations so if you get stuck in the day and you're like this day sucks you know you can go back to an affirmation that you put in your phone or you put on your your wall or you post it somewhere and you say all right 
okay, I can calm down. I so it's, to me, it's j- exactly it's. A, I got this feeling, mm-hmm. and it brings your central nervous system down to a, re- a reasonable, calm place, and you can get through the rest of the day or the rest of you know any stress that you got going right. on. So, well, let yeah. me ask you guys what, like, what's the importance of practicing mindfulness? Mm-hmm. Like, why is well, that something that we want to? And especially in the context of addiction recovery. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I think it's important for anybody, but definitely in recovery from addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly, um, I was going to say when we're first getting sober, but it can be, you know, throughout getting sober. Um, there's a lot of regret waiting for us in the past. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about the past, we're looking at wreckage. We're, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a lot to feel, um, you know, shame. upset about. Yeah, shame, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it's easy to go there and to get stuck there in the mind. Uh, and then, you know, looking ahead, there's a ton of worry. There's a Oof. lot of fear. What does the yeah. future look like? Am I going to be able to stay sober? Like, we, our best bet is to just come back to the here and now. Like, where yeah. am I right now? Am I in this chair? Is everything okay? How's my temperature? Like, mm-hmm. right now, right here and now, everything's okay. Like, I got this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really, really important um, just to stay grounded, I think, in recovery. Um and in terms of how it's beneficial, the science is actually really, really backing up mindfulness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. More and more, which I think is why we're hearing more and more about it, too, is that yeah. um, everybody's on board. I mean, it's become such a hot topic right now. Yes. I mean, you, you, any every treatment center out there right now is starting to incorporate mindfulness mm-hmm. as a cornerstone of its program. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that takes me... You have some chapters on emotions and strong emotions Mm -hmm. and how, so when those are occurring and that's happening, where do you, how does mindfulness then become a practice Mm -hmm. and like, where do you go with that? That's such a great question. So um, I believe in anything that we're teaching to clients, the best thing to do is to practice it when you're not in crisis, Mm -hmm. when you're not in that highly emotional state. (laughs) Um, Like I always tell my clients, I wouldn't say to someone who's in a rage, like, count to 10. <laughs> like, no, it's like, you're done. Right. By the time you're in the rage, like, that's, it's just not going to help. Yeah. Um, what we want to do is be like, I'm noticing, that's mindful, right? I'm noticing what's happening for me. I'm starting to get aggravated. I know um, this is me. My heart's starting to pound a little bit. I'm starting to get anxious, right? Mm-hmm. Just that a real deep awareness of what's happening in the moment. So that then I can address that. I can do some breathing. I can tune in um, to where I'm sitting and what's happening for me physically and kind of get more grounded. Do you think utilizing your senses is helpful? Yes. Yeah. The five like, what senses. do I see? What mm-hmm. do I smell? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing this. Yes. I'm tasting that. I'm, yes, absolutely. That's, that's exactly where I guide clients initially is through the five senses because that's something that they can grab onto concretely um, mm-hmm. and that you can you know practice kind of quickly um, even when you're around people. So for like my socially anxious clients, which mm-hmm. a lot of addicted clients are, are socially anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even in a crowd of people, you know, you go to an event or something, you start to get anxious. You can you know grab hold of your paper napkin and feel it and really pay attention to that sensation without too many people noticing. You right. can do that right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can really tune into how many things in the room are the colored green and just kind of let yourself notice that for a minute. Okay. And it does bring everything kind of down again. Wow. That's that's so interesting. Um, Rebecca, I have a question for you. You know, you working at the VA, you working with veterans. Um, personally, I, I have experience as well as a lot of my friends that I've, you know, grown up with is dealing with PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, that is almost universally a symptom mm-hmm. of a lot of veterans, especially those who are coming back from combat. Mm-hmm. 
how does this book, how does this um, topic, how does this play into helping to deal or manage PTSD? Good question, <laughs> Roman, Roman. Yeah, you know, the the thing of it is, is that the folks, a lot of the veterans do have PTSD and addiction, mm-hmm. I mean, and other psychosocial. They, they almost go hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah. So why not work with those together? I mean, that's the way right. I think about it. I don't work in the PTSD clinic. I work in a vocational clinic. So okay. I really get the guys, once they have the treatment, I get them to get a job and right. uh, and stay with it. So that's what I do there right now. However, um, mindfulness works with PTSD. There's research out on mindfulness yeah. and PTSD. In fact, I think they're doing studies at UCSD and the VA right now mm-hmm. on, on some of these topics. Breathing. Yeah. I, I, I do it myself as a clinician, and I teach my clients just to really lean back in the chair, feel the arms of the chair, realize things are okay right this minute, and breathe. Um, whether you have PTSD, addiction, recovery from addiction, it's, it's really the kindness that you give yourself and the warmth you give yourself is the starting point. Yeah. And I'm all about 10% improvements. You don't have to fix it today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love 10%. 10% improvement in PTSD, 10% improvement in anything. To me is let's keep working on that. Progress, right? E- exactly. So yeah. you don't have it doesn't have to be fixed. Like I ha- we have a chapter about PTSD in the book about a guy who can't go to the grocery store mm-hmm. because he can't handle people, he can't handle the location, the environment. Right. There was pe- there was a problem and he goes at midnight. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to do these small, simple changes to take care of yourself. And well, also um, knowing your limitations, exactly. knowing your comforts, mm-hmm. knowing what makes you feel good versus what doesn't. Exactly. Bingo. Yeah. yeah that's I, it. I feel like that's a part of mindfulness as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Just being aware. Yes. Self-awareness mm-hmm. is the number one thing. And even as a therapist, it's important to be self-aware of how you are in the room with your clients. Mm. And so uh, doing a mini inventory as a clinician, uh-huh. as a psychologist, how am I doing with this guy? How am I feeling? So What's important. happening? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because so important. the therapists pick up a lot of the PTSD and mm. the addiction yeah. stuff that's going on too, you know, because we're sensitive. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with transference, counter-transference. Yeah, you yeah know. it's there for sure. Definitely. Okay, so I have a, a kind of a weird question thoughts versus emotions it's kind of like do do thoughts set up the emotions or do emotions set up the thoughts like it's like did the chicken or the egg kind of come first and how does that roll with mindfulness here you know when practicing mindfulness Mm -hmm. um so in my view the thoughts do cause the emotions right um so we we are always looking around, always encountering experience and having thoughts about it, constant streaming thoughts about it. Uh, And our emotions follow those thoughts, right? So however we interpret something, the emotions are going to follow. So what I often do with my clients, because it's a great, I think I must have a road rage issue because I always love to use driving (laughs) examples. Uh, But if someone cuts you off on the highway, that's an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have a thought about that. So if my thought is that guy's a jerk, you know, he thinks he's more important than me, like, right? right? Um, Emotion's going to follow from that. I'm going to be pretty angry. And my behaviors follow from that, right? Mm. Um, So that could be what, you know, certain hand gestures, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Not me. Never seen that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Namaste. Um, Right. But if I I can change my thoughts, right? Um, If I have that same experience, someone cuts me off on the highway and I go, wow, I did that yesterday. I bet he didn't see me. 
I have a totally different emotional experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've approached that. That thought came from a place of empathy. I've been there too, right? Mm-hmm. That's that connected piece. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, if I'm going to make an assumption, right? I'm making an assumption he's a jerk. Why don't I assume he didn't see me, right? Mm-hmm. I can have a totally different emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the tricky thing, the, the reason the chicken and the egg thing happens so much, I think, is because we also have a lot of thoughts about our feelings. So we have the thoughts, right. we have the feelings, then we have a lot more thoughts. And they yeah. just keep yeah. going. And it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's absolutely a cycle. It's almost like, you know, thinking your way into a new action, Right. Sometimes it's by taking a new action to change your thinking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> right. And it's exactly. like this, this weird dynamic, totally. you know, something that is coming up for me right now in this conversation. And it's something that Brian and myself, we feel so, um, we feel so intensely that this is going to be a breakthrough in addiction studies and addiction treatment is emotional intelligence and Mm -hmm. emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. You know, we are saying with the population that we work with, which is mostly 18 to 25 year old young men and women, is that there's a huge inability to regulate emotions. Right. And it's something that's not typically addressed Mm -hmm. in treatment. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, individual and group therapy is great. You know, love it. It's super necessary. Mm-hmm. But there, it feels like there's this gap when it comes to discussing and talking about emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. People, a lot of people don't even know what emotional intelligence means. Right. right? They, they may have an idea mm-hmm. of what that looks like, but it's almost like a foreign subject mm-hmm. to even some professionals within this space Hmm. so i would just you know maybe you you guys have an opinion or thought on on emotional intelligence regulation and what that looks like and how that plays a part yeah um um, so in the uh, the uh, mindfulness workbook for addiction, the first chapter, there's 10 chapters, and the first chapter is called Emotions, right? Okay. Um, and my clients don't want to do the first chapter. No. Like, can we just skip that <laughs> one? Hate it. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we think it's incredibly important. And I totally agree with you that emotional regulation is, is critical. Yeah. Um, a lot of clients... Um, in recovery, can't even name emotions. I'm sure you guys know that, right? Yeah, they cannot yeah. tell you how they're feeling. They don't know. It's yeah. they've been, you know, it's been any um, any feeling has been used, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, you know, used on, um, used about, and um, a lot of times, addicts in recovery initially, any emotion that they feel is identified as a craving. Right? Mm-hmm. They're just like, I'm just craving. I just want to use. Yeah. Right. Um, so slowing things down mm-hmm. in this mindful way is so important just to give people the language and the opportunity to assess like what is happening for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And can I maybe give it a name? And in, in the mindfulness workbook, we ask people to like draw a color, a, a picture of it or just yeah. figure out like what color is it? You don't have to tell me if it's anger or sadness or whatever. Like where is it sitting in your body and does it have a color? Like yeah. what's what's it up to yeah. um, in the body? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. incredibly important. And bring bring it into the room. I mean, I, I was just driving over here thinking, how come I love emotions so much? Um, <laughs> I, you know, my my first job, uh, my favorite thing, my first job in the Bronx, where I'm from. Um, oh, shout out! Yeah, shout out! Yeah. I thought I out. I thought I heard some of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bronx. I worked at the Bronx Zoo. That was my first job. And l- luckily, I got the job in the children's zoo. I'm thinking, cool. There and, you go. And I get there, and they're like, okay, you get to hold the snake around your neck <laughs> and have the kids go, ew, you know, um, and, the, and they're going to go pet the bunnies right, right. Yeah. And, the, and the goats, right? So I'm thinking, all right, how, all right, I got the snake. I'm good. Boa constrictor around my neck. 
I actually really enjoyed it. And, <laughs> and I noticed that some of the kids would come over and want to pet the snake, um, right. which was shocking because their parents were like, don't, you know. And, um, but some of the kids just kind of came over. They got over their fear. Yeah. And they came over to me and I'm like, cool. So we had like this experience of actually dealing with the fear and bringing it in and just going with it. And it was the kind of got me set up to be a psychologist, frankly. I know that yeah. sounds weird because uh-huh. it's a snake. But, you know, um, the idea of bringing in the emotion, bringing in the fear, not running from it, not saying ew, but saying, you know, all right, I got anger, which right. in the Bronx, yeah. we, we tend to have <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. a lot of it. And um, and just bringing it in, enjoying the fact and respecting the fact that you have feelings and right. naming them first and then say, oh, that's anger. Cool. And not not running away from them. And so to me, it's just like, bring it on, you know, let's run into the house and kind of figure this out together. That's, you know, uh, what, that's so good. That's so spot on. What you're talking about is that you had an experience, which led to a breakthrough, really, it did. And that's something that that we we believe in Mm -hmm. is, is not not shying away from emotions, exactly. not um, not putting clients or patients or, or whoever in an incubator and keeping them safe, right. but actually having them experience emotions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what that even looks like is having exercises that produce specific emotions. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, then you can be like, okay, this is what anger is is exactly this is what sadness is this is what regret is and then you start to learn because one one thing that i know and i really believe in is that you know everything is learned behavior Mm -hmm. right we learned it from someone was it our parents was it our teachers maybe it was our peers Mm -hmm. everything's learned and i think that anything learned can be relearned Mm -hmm. you know or unlearned Mm -hmm. if you will so you know with addicts especially there, there's a lot of going back and and crossing out what you thought you knew and writing in something else. Well, what this what this idea of mindfulness brings me back to is like at one point I was a three year old, mm-hmm. and if anyone is mindful, like mm. you look at the way like a three year old, yeah. a five year old, everything's curious, everything's a journey, so present, have an experience, an emotion, take it in fully let it go, release, and on mm-hmm. to the next one. Mm. So is this gift of recovery, 52 mindful ways to live joyfully beyond addiction, can we tap back into our inner five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I tell you, I don't know if you got to yes. read this part, but um, that was one of my favorite chapters to write, actually, is like yes. tapping back into how to play. Um, because so I do important. think it's so important. We don't know how to play. Yeah, yeah. We got to play, like find the silly, right? Especially in recovery. Like let's just find For the sure. fun. Let's yeah. just be playful again. Well, you see a lot of addicts when they are getting sober, like a lot of people would say, oh, they're immature, mm. right? And, and from the outside looking in without knowing, mm. you might say that that's true. <clears throat> but, you know, there is a lot of play going on and mm. it's so important, so right? important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, um, in working in outpatient programs, and I'm yeah. sure you guys are about this too, it seems like you like to bring the fun. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 
all of our groups didn't have to be so serious. Like the topics no. can get serious and we yeah. can get very deep in there. Mm-hmm. But my favorite nights were when everybody's laughing together. Like right. we're all in a room sober in like a, you know, a little <laughs> yeah. group room with some yeah. plastic chairs and right. they're having fun. Yeah. That's an experience that they can take with them. Like, wait a mm-hmm. second, I was sober. I hardly know these people. Maybe some of them are in their 50s and I'm in my 20s and I thought, you know, we can't connect. Yeah. And we're just having a laugh. Like, let's have a laugh mm. together in sobriety. Yeah. And, just so powerful. And those experiences stay with you mm-hmm. so that even when you do have moments where all else fails, you may be able to rely on some of those experiences that you have. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's so important. Mm-hmm. Have fun, have right? Fun. We didn't get sober to be boring. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Seriously. It doesn't have to be that way, especially young. You guys yeah. are 18 to 25 yeah. in your program predominantly. Like, that's not a time where you go, well, oh, no life's doubt. done now. Now yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> If you, when you come to our spot, you'll see. Uh-huh. Like as soon as you walk in the door, you're like, okay. This is, <laughs> it's almost like a playground. Yeah. Yes. Seriously. Yes. It's a clubhouse. Oh, I love it. So and, as we're diving in and, and getting close to wrapping up, mm-hmm. what what are some of the nuggets? What are some of the highlights? Like if someone comes up to you on the street and says, hey, what's what's this gift of recovery? What is the gift of recovery? Yeah. What, what would you say to someone? Like these are some of the, the highlights, some of the yeah. nuggets in here. Gosh, I would say um, for me, it's about, yeah, learning about yourself, mm-hmm. learning what you value, what's really important to you um, that maybe got diverted in your youth, right? When you're addicted, you maybe lost sight of some of the things that you're really passionate about, that you yeah. love and that make you who you are. It's like rediscovering that in a way mm-hmm. that makes you feel really joyful and in touch with yourself and, and with the world around you, kind of a new way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Well said, Julie. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm back to heart again. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I I drive home sometimes from work at Mm -hmm. the VA and other work environments. And I just, sometimes I hold my heart and I go, it's all right. You know, Mm -hmm. you you chose this profession. You're good. It's okay. You know, there are hard days or good days. There, you know, like everybody, everything in between. But just everybody um, knowing if everybody's a little kinder to themselves forgiving of themselves compassionate it's i know we're going full circle but that to me in the going forward self-forgiveness mm-hmm. self-compassion self-love self-awareness mm-hmm. just just the return to, to to who you are so it's an opportunity for the readers to to step yeah. back into that exactly starts with self right yeah, yeah i think so i put, think it does put the life mask on first uh-huh, uh-huh that's right, right. yeah that's right. absolutely yeah well, where where can where can people find you? Is this on Amazon? Are we going to? I mean, Borders isn't around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gift recovery is on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's in Barnes and Noble stores and online as well. And um, they actually created an audio book for this one. All right, um, nice. which is great because I know a lot of people are really connecting. Is with Morgan that. Freeman doing it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. That would be cool. We should have you guys come in and do it. That would hey, be awesome. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a website called mindfulnessworkbook.com, and it's not up to date 100%, but we're getting there. And okay. But essentially, you can find Julie or myself there, what, what we're about, mm-hmm. who okay. we are. Amazon has a whole list of um, awards we've won for these books on there. And also, what's really cool about the other book, Mindfulness Workbook, and we're starting for this one too, Gift of Recovery. If you're a provider, you can get CEU. So if you're a counselor, oh, hey. you yeah, can good. you can go on, nice. on Amazon, click on my name, Rebecca Williams, and it'll list 13 
sites where you can get credit uh-huh. um, for reading the book and doing an exam, nice. of course. But um, but yeah, so for for people who are in the field working as therapists and um, addiction counselors and yeah, please guys go check them out. Yeah, awesome. You guys have yeah. social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Well, we got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been That's busy. the next right frontier. Yes. 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 And you guys can help us with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no no, doubt. Thank you guys for coming in today. Yeah, I acknowledge both a, of you. A great show. Seriously. You guys have talked from the heart. You guys have given tons of useful, great information to our audience and for those who are listening. And we really appreciate you guys coming in. And if there's any way that we can support you guys and whatever oh, you guys are doing, let us know. And um, for those listening, please check out this book, The Gift of Recovery, 52 Mindful Ways to Live Joyfully Beyond Addiction. Pick it up today. Rebecca Williams and Julie Kraft. And this has been another episode of The Sober Life Audio, Audio Experience. Experience. Goodbye. (laughs) The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items, From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.